Welcome to No You Shut Up. It's the most hostile father-son podcast on the internet where we talk about sports and occasionally we have to tell each other, shut up. Now kids, don't try this at home. I'm dad, he's Alex. Happy fourth. Happy fourth for everyone, that's right. And we are now in the middle of summer, which means of course it's the doldrums of sports season because hey, everybody's out playing. They're going out boating, they're going out to the lake. We don't care about anything. We will in the Labor Day. And of course, that's when the sports fun really begins. Not an accident. Not an accident. That's just structure it that way. That's true. News of the week. We do still have some news, even though it's not nearly as pressing as what we're going to have later in the year. But in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers finally speaks. But he doesn't speak about where he's going to be playing or even if he's going to be playing. He speaks about taking care of his mental health. And of course, he's in a golf tournament one of these made-for-TV or made-for-whatever specials there where he's going to be playing with Bryson DeChambeau against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. And it's sort of interesting, the contrast to me, that um, Aaron Rodgers is talking about his mental health. Uh, but anyway, uh, not really saying much. I don't think really giving many clues as to whether he's going to be playing with the Packers or whether he's going to be playing. He just says he's thankful for the time to take care of his mental health, which actually I think is a good message for all of us that we need to take time to do that. Well, and I'd like, and I'd just like to give a shout out as we were talking about Capital One, the match to anybody who has the Bleacher Report app, because if you have the Bleacher Report app, you've known about Capital One's match for a long time because they are a corporate sponsor of it. And on the days and weeks leading up to it, they will send you about 10 notifications a day about it. So I, and I'm sure many others are quite looking forward to that match being over so we can all get back to getting actual notifications that affect our lives. And how else do you know that you're in the middle of summer, but whenever they make up these matches, to say like, hey, I know that you're at the lake and uh, you're at the beach and uh, you're having a lot of fun doing other things. Uh, hey, don't forget about us over here in sports world. We still need to make money in July as well. Yeah, if you skip out on family time to watch a non-binding golf tournament between two established pros, that means absolutely nothing. You probably do need to reevaluate your life choices to a certain extent. So I hope this doesn't do the numbers that, uh, that, that they seem to think it will. But I'm not the one calling the shots and I'm sure they wouldn't be broadcasting it and gassing it up like this if it didn't do numbers. That's true. And bingo on that. You need a life if this is really that important to you. One other NFL note, the Jags signing Trevor Lawrence to a contract, $36.8 million, with a $24.1 million signing bonus. I think it's a big deal because, you know, he has been in camp. We talked last week about how maybe it was a real savvy move to have uh, Tim Tebow because everybody's talking about Tebow. Nobody's talking about Trevor Lawrence. And it looks as though he's basically just over there being quiet, conducting business, no shenanigans with an agent, no shenanigans on the contract, no holdout. He's there to play football. I think it's a good sign for the Jags. It's what the Jaguars need for their rebuild. And that, that $36 million uh, contract, and what was the signing bonus? Uh, $24. $24 million signing bonus. You know, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence was uh, was upset to see all the college athletes finally get into the bag. I'm sure he missed out on a few million, but that $24 million signing bonus will do quite nicely as a consolation prize. I well, think. I think it's good to see him in camp and good to see that he's the contract's over, so there's, there's nothing else left there. Let's go to the NBA. The Bucks Suns Finals. I think a lot of folks probably had the Bucks penciled in. That wasn't a wow. I can't believe you're going out on a limb choice. But the Suns? Are you kidding me? Of course, the big question: Will Giannis play? And if he doesn't, do the Bucks have a chance? Alex, who you got? 
you know, it's it'll be really interesting. Everybody thought that the Bucks might go down against the Hawks after Giannis went out, but Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez turned to the next coming of Shaq and Carl Malone, and they were able to dispose of the Hawks rather easily in Giannis's presence. So it might just be more of a matter of if the Suns can take advantage of no Giannis or compromise Giannis. With that beast DeAndre Ayton and all the shooting they have on the floor, I do think it's going to be Suns in six. I think Chris Paul is ready for the moment, and I think Devin Booker, as his Robin, is more than willing to drop a few 40 bombs on that Milwaukee defense. Well, and for CP3, maybe he deserves it. He's been around for a while. I think he plays for some other teams that it seemed like might be a contender. And by the way, any time that you can get a Carl Malone reference <laughs> – that's a good day. That's a good day. Well, it'll be interesting to see what's going to be happening there with the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, let's move on to the NHL. The Lightning certainly taking care of business as we record this. It's going to be game four of the finals for tonight. And games one, two, and three, ain't no doubt about who the better team is on the ice. The Canadian Cinderella run seems to be coming to an end. They got a lot farther than anybody thought. There are no moral victories when you're going for the Stanley Cup because they don't put your name on the cup for a moral victory. But for the Canadians, they got to knock out two of their brethren there, Winnipeg, and, of course, the hated Toronto Maple Leafs. They can always thumb their nose at Toronto and say, hey, let me tell you what it's like to play in the finals. Yeah, I'm claiming the mantle as the real hockey city. I'm sure a big uh, point of contention up there. And, you know, I'm sure it's, it's it's been well covered. Everybody likes to talk about this every time a Tampa Bay team wins, which has been a lot recently between the Rays, Buccaneers, and Lightning. But it's really a shame that, that this city has to be the one that gets all this. And and Detroit and Cleveland have to suffer in, in, in the gutter every year. It's very sad to see all these all these retirees get to root for get to root for Tom Brady just because Tom Brady did the same thing that they did and, re and retired to somewhere warm. It makes, me, makes me sick. It's horrible. And as you know, as I said last week, these are the retirees who couldn't afford to go to the east coast of Florida. So they go to the west coast. They do not deserve a winning team like this. You don't get an ocean. You get a golf. You get a golf. That's right. And 2020. So it would be back-to-back -back wins for the Lightning. Uh, but by the way, it seems to me, and maybe it is because I think they're so annoying, that it seems that they've been there a lot longer or a lot more than they have. But uh, 2020, 2021, if they win, which it's almost a certainty that they're going to be winning, and then 2004. So this will be their third Stanley Cup championship of the 21st century. Uh, so maybe not as much as it seems like they're there, um, but maybe that's just a sign of how annoying they are. That's three Stanley Cups in the, in the state of Florida. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, the only other one, of course, is where all the rich retirees are over in Miami, and they haven't had a good team, and so nobody knows how long. The Panthers have won a cup? Uh, I don't even know if they've won a <laughs> cup, actually. If you have to go way back to the 90s, I think, before the last time they were even relevant uh, was, was way back when, and which, of course, uh, but you know, it's Miami. I mean, come on. Miami, you got Miami Beach, and now that's to say if you didn't have the heat, and, and the Dolphins, if you don't have... And the Marlins. And the Marlins. I the Marlins mean, are popular down I mean, there. to me, uh, it's an afterthought. Listen, you know my feeling about that. No NHL team south of Washington, D.C. should be allowed to get into the finals, period. That's true. That's just the way that it is. But, um, okay, let's move on to the MLB. All-Star break next week at Coors Field. And... Uh, the All-Star break is next week at Coors Field. Yeah, evidently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, middle of the MLB season always seems to uh, sneak up on you. Shout out to shout out to the Tigers. Uh, look, looking hot, looking like the looking like the young prospects might finally be coming home to roost here soon. Uh, getting their getting their licks in, getting 
yeah. uh, looks at what MLB experience looks like. That's, uh, you know, that that's huge. I, and I think they're sort of right now under the radar. Nobody's paying attention and not, nor should you. I mean, if they were to go 500, who cares unless you're a Tigers fan or unless you're maybe a baseball a geek, let's say, but they have been in the dumper for a while. Mm -hmm. However, for a few years now, they have been reported to have one of the best farm systems, if not the best farm system. And if these pundits, these scouts who know what they're talking about are right, then this is a sign that they may be on the move. Hopefully it means that their turn's next. You know, the White Sox are really good right now. They're going to dominate the AL Central for the foreseeable future. But hopefully, uh, you know, when Tony La Russa uh, can't walk anymore and isn't, can't, <laughs> man, can't manage the team and, you know, some of those guys that are in their prime right now get a little bit older, hopefully uh, that's when those Detroit prospects are aging right into their prime and we can have another great era of Detroit baseball. You know, maybe I'm biased, but I truly do think that baseball is better when the Tigers are good. I think Detroit oh, is that. is an amazing baseball city, and, and the American League is just more, way more fun when the Tigers are winning. Well, I agree with that. Of course, we're in Michigan, and so we Easy definitely. To say that. Those were the glory days, though. Come on. I mean, I know if you're not in Detroit or you're not in Michigan, you don't really care. But whenever there was Prince Fielder and there was Justin Verlander oh, yes. and there was Pudge Rodriguez, and uh, oh, man. Yeah, oh and Miguel Cabrera Austin, there. Austin Jackson, Come Miguel on. Cabrera, Prince Fielder batting back to back to back. I mean, so that's just special with Justin Verlander pitching. So what? much, and fun. they had Max Scherzer. Max they had Scherzer. their starting lineup was nuts. It was it was it was, it was stupid. They had a um, fantasy team. But of course, I know if you're listening to this and you're not a Tigers fan, you're like, okay, I'm sorry, I can't hear you because how many championships? How many World Series did they win? How many World right? Series games did they win? <laughs> exactly zero. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, Euro, of course, is uh, even for those who are not necessarily football fans, uh, the Euro is down to the semifinals. You got England versus Denmark. And of course, England has not won a Euro since 1996. They have not won the World Cup since 1966. Is it coming home? Is it coming home? I got to tell you, I don't think it is. But and then, of course, you got Denmark with the feel good story. Of course, one of their key players, Ericsson, going down with a cardiac arrest had to be brought back to life on the field. He is okay now, but how can you not, at least somewhere in your heart, root for this team to take it to home, to take it home after such a tumultuous beginning there? Uh, and then on the other side of it, of course, Italy, Spain. If you know soccer, even if you don't know soccer, you probably know that that's two uh, European royalties there. Italy uh, has only won one Euro uh, out of the last 15, but they have won four World Cups. And Spain has won three Euros out of the last 15 wow. and only one World Cup. But needless to say, these are two teams who know their way around in this rare air. And Italy, by the way, has been outstanding. I think, and this is not because I study it very much, just as an observer and from reading, I think Italy's the team to beat. For the championship, yeah, I know they they're unbeaten in their last uh, in their last sixteen European matches, going all the way back to qualifying. Uh, you know, it's been a disappointing run for them. They they, they crashed out uh, in the group stage in the last two World Cups, and if I remember correctly, did not have the success they're accustomed to in the most recent Euro. So it it was kind of a turning point uh, or an inflection point rather for for Italian football. Whether or not they'd be able to come back, or if this was kind of be, going to be the see that uh, the Italian football that we know from the from the mid two thousands and the nineties is back. Well, the, the game against Belgium, I think, was definitely a litmus test, mm -hmm. uh, and they passed um, because actually they really dominated that game more than the two one score sort of showed. They, they were up two two nil. 
Uh, Lukaku scored on a penalty kick. Uh, you know, it was it was I did watch that game and and Italy is for real. And I think that they are going to be very difficult uh, for anybody to take down. Let's move on to buy or sell. For those of you who are not familiar, it's basically where we say uh, we put out something out there and we say buy or sell. Is it going to happen? Is it real or is it not? Are you going to buy it or are you going to sell it? Alex, you go first. Well, this week we saw that. We may have seen the end of college sports as we know it, or at least that's what people have said in the lead up to this. This is the day that we've been talking about for years, the day that college athletes finally got to be paid for their labor, at least in part. For those that don't know, this is the week that the new NIL, that stands for Name, Image, and Likeness, legislation went into place for the NCAA and nationally for college athletes, wherein they can now make money off their likeness. They can now parlay their success on the field into money in their pocket, which they have not been able to do unjustly until the year 2021, which is ridiculous. Dad, do you buy or sell that this is the end of college sports as we know it? I will. I buy it. I buy that it's not going to all come at once, but I do buy that this is the beginning of the erosion of this ridiculous norm, I think, that has existed forever that amateur athlete athletics is amateur. Mm -hmm. And while the NCAA, while the colleges, while the universities to say nothing of the coaches, incredible amounts of money and the people who are actually doing the work. And I'm not even just talking about on the field, but in the film room mm -hmm. or in practice. And I'm not just talking about football or basketball. I'm talking about gymnastics or I'm talking about hockey or I'm mm -hmm. talking about women's softball or men's baseball. These players, these student athletes, put an inordinate amount of time into winning That's right. and winning makes money. And so it's ridiculous that it's taken this long. I do buy it. I don't think it's going to come all tomorrow, but I think that this is a major rock that's fallen off of that mountain. I think it's the end of college sports as we know it. And you know what? I think it's a good thing. I think as we move into an era where the athletes are more empowered, I think it's going to make for a better viewing product. I think it's not a coincidence that the most viewed leagues in today's uh, United States, the NFL and the NBA, are the ones where the players are allowed to express themselves the most. And NIL, all it's going to do is allow college athletes to express themselves that much more. So I'm very, very excited for this new uh, for this new era of college sports. What do you have to bring to the table? I will throw out one more thing before I move to my buy or sell, and that it, it is going to be difficult and maybe time-consuming to figure out how to make this work. How to make it fair. And how to make it fair and how to try to keep parity going as well. Yeah. I think it's easier said than done. I think a lot of people agree that these college athletes need to be compensated, but how to do that and how to do it in a way that doesn't create five superpower college football teams. Not that we don't have them. Now. Right. Anyway, I was say, oh, that'd be, wouldn't that be horrible? I know. We have them now, five, but, seven, but you know what I mean, where it's just where the distinction between the top and bottom yeah. is so, or the chasm between the two is so great. Um, so that, that I think, is going to cause problems. All right, let me move on to Mike. Oh, do you have something else? No, no, no. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers this season. Buy. I'm buying that. And, you know, I'm sure that you probably heard, you know, that he did not take his COVID option to opt out. Because we know he's very concerned about that. But he could have guaranteed his money. Mm -hmm. And so if he already knew that he was going to sit out for the season. Right. If he knew he was going to sit out for the season, he would have said, I would think anyway, I'm opting out. Right. And then I get my salary and I get to sit out. He did not take that option. He's playing this year. 
I don't see him playing for anybody other than the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, the Packers are not going to trade him. And the uh, the, the team, the, the team of the uh, the team du jour recently in the Aaron Rodgers trade market has been Washington. And let me tell you something: if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, I can tell you right now, given what has happened to the Packers in the NFC Championship game in the last few years, how many times have been a bridesmaid in their own conference? He's not getting traded inside the conference. Yeah. And when you're cutting the pool of teams in half for a player that the Packers already are not interested in trading because yeah. he's a generational talent, I think it's incredibly unlikely that he gets drafted. I'm sorry, I think it's incredibly unlikely he gets traded, rather. Not to the NFC. Not to the yeah. NFC, at least, and not in general, because I, he's a generational talent, right. and the Packers would be sick to let him go. With uh, you know, And I covered this last week with the league's best wide receiver, top three uh, cornerback one to shut guys down, the running back room locked up. It'd be preposterous. Well, if he's going to play it again, I think he I think he claims his money. If he's not going to play, he's going to claim his money. I mean, he's not stupid. And so to me, the fact that he didn't claim his money and he didn't guarantee his money by opting right. out means he's going to play. So that's, And that's the only way he can guarantee his money now is by playing. And where else is he going to play? Two things here. First of all, Green Bay is still playoff ready team. They're, they're uh, a Super Bowl. They're not. Team. They're not going to trade him to an NFC team. You're right because they're not going to see him unless they get to the Super Bowl. They're not going to. They're not going to let him prevent them from going to the Super Bowl. But who else out there? Even if he were to go to the Broncos, they're not a Super Bowl team. No, they're not. And he's old. He only has a few years yeah. left. I mean, maybe three or four years left, yeah. maybe. And so he cannot reset that clock. He knows. And I think he's playing a mental game. I think he's proving his point. Yeah, yeah and, and, he's, and, and he has proven his point. And the second reason I think the Packers are like, no, we're not trading you, because I think the Packers are pretty angry at him, to be honest with you, mm. because it's like by not dropping that bomb that you're not going to play until the night of the draft. 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 By not dropping that bomb until then, not only, of course, did you take the, the, the draft story away, but you all and, and put a nasty yeah. spotlight on us. Thank uh -huh. you very much. Uh -huh. We didn't really like that. But also, think about this. Don't you think that the Packers would have said, like, look, if you would have told us in February or March that you're not going to play with us, maybe we could have gotten Jared Goff in exchange for you? Or, yeah, or, or, or we could have at least had the conversation, and it would have been easier for all involved parties. But it's like when you come to the – it's like what you're saying. When you come to the table the way Aaron Rodgers did, it's like you're not really interested in doing do business with us. Right. So we're not going to proceed like this is a serious negotiation yep. because yep. when you act like that, it's not. And and we held some cards too. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you hold a lot of cards, but we hold cards too, and we've got your money. We've got your money, and I think that's a big deal. So we agree by that Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers. Our next buy or sell would be the Detroit Pistons, who finally broke their lottery curse of moving down in the last <laughs> six lotteries to move up to the number one pick this year for the bell of the ball of the 2021 NBA draft, which is Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham, a point guard who has been compared to Kawhi Leonard on defense and Penny Hardaway on offense. He can really play. So, but, of course, the buy or sell I come with today is there's been a lot of talk about Detroit maybe trading back down out of the first uh, overall slot because there are teams that have multiple first-round picks. For example, the offer to Dior lately has been the Warriors offering number five and number eight overall, and their second overall pick last year, James Wiseman, to move all the way up to number one. Dad, do you buy or sell that this is the way they should proceed? Oh, you know, the Pistons have been so bad for so long. I don't know, because whatever they do, it's going to be the wrong call. I think, to me, if you could get 
some draft. If, if you don't have to go too far down in the draft, you get some extra draft picks and you pick up a player who can make a difference today, as in the day one of your season, I say trade that pick. Uh, although I don't know if this guy from Oklahoma State, if he is that much of a game changer. You know, what, two years ago or whenever it was that Zion came out? Uh-huh. Obviously, that's a no, you don't get rid of that guy. No, sort of right. like with the Jags with Trevor Lawrence. No, he's yeah. too good. It's tough to know how generational it can right. be, where that trade-off is between, like, this is the guy in the draft for a reason, this is who we need to get, right. or, like, this is a guy we can kind of sell the that we can sort of sell high on the hype here and get a good little return and set ourselves up nicely for a rebuild. Let's say that you get two high draft picks. Five five and eight. Five and eight, and you get a player who's good, and and maybe that's worth it because this guy from Oak State just isn't that good. He's really good, but he's not Zion, for example. I'm going to go ahead and sell, and we're going to disagree on this one, that they should trade the pick. I think – uh, I think you look at what they have now with Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay. I think they uh, would complement Cade Cunningham's defensive skill set and lead guard mentality very well. I think it'd be a great fit. And I think when you're Detroit and you've spent so many years angst in angst waiting for uh, to get that number one overall pick and you finally get it and there's a uh, dedicated number one prospect, I think you take the bird in hand. And I think you get the number one player and I think you say, this is the piece in our rebuild. Every rebuild needs a piece. Yeah, the Pel- we wouldn't we would talk about the Pelicans rebuild differently if they didn't have Zion Williamson. That's just how the the, the reality is in the NBA. Because if you want to win a title, you need a star. And I think the Pistons right now have a chance to take the burden hand and get a star. And I think they should do that. Well, let me tell you this: I'll have a weak sell on it, a weak sell, just because I do think that you only have yourself to blame mm-hmm. if you trade away the first pick and that person ends up being the Michael Jordan oh, yeah. 10 years from oh, now. Yeah. You have to They'll answer for never that. live it down. You have to answer for that forever. And the Pistons have already made that mistake. They, they know they know very <laughs> well. I mean, yeah, this is the team that drafted, uh, you know, they, they drafted Luke Kennard one pick before Donovan Mitchell. But, of course, the most famous one is, uh, say it with me, Darko. <laughs> exactly. And so I can understand. So I say a weak sell on that because I could understand where Pistons management might, might say, like, look, we're going to put it on the Oak State guy. Nobody's going to blame us if we pick this guy because everybody said we should, and he turns out to be a bust. Hey, that's what happens sometimes. But if you were to trade him and you end up in worse shape or you end up trading right. away a player who is, um, you know, like uh, Curry or something like that, you're never going to live that down, nor should you. You finally had the first right. pick of the draft and you choked it. So that's Dra- why I have a, a drafting is sell. drafting is hard. I'm glad I don't have to do it. What you got? Uh, are we done with buy and sell? I'm I'm done. Do you have any? More? I got one more. We're looking at Arizona State, the most recent team to get uh to get dragged underwater by the NCAA. Uh, where they're the first team. Uh, maybe they'll be the last team to get uh dinged for breaking the COVID nineteen protocols. Not only were they paying some recruits, throwing some bags around, which at this point is pretty common for NCAA football teams. They were also violating COVID protocols. Herm Edwards' program was apparently by hosting recruits when other schools were barred from doing it, obviously, therefore giving them a competitive advantage in the tough recruiting landscape of the Pac-12. Dad, do you think all this shows is that Herm Edwards can't lead a college program? (laughs) Well, we know what Herm Edwards, the mantra, right? Of course. Say it with me. You play play to to win win the the game. game. Exactly. And so uh, maybe Herm, it's like, welcome to college football, Herm, where there's a different set of rules here. 
Um, so I do, what was your buy or sell again? My buy or sell was that, do you buy or sell that this shows that Herm Edwards, he has, his background is in the NFL where you have a different set of rules to this show that he's not equipped to lead an NCAA college football program where you have to be compliant with these things. No, actually, I think it shows that he actually is very well equipped to lead a college <laughs> football program because he says, what are the rules? Okay, we're going to do something different. If anything, I think what he learned from this is like, don't be stupid. Don't talk about it. Uh, and that's a little bit of a, I guess, a negative spin on it. I don't think it really means that he's not competent to lead because, come on, how many coaches have thumbed their noses at, at rules? Um, we all know, of course, the payment rules and stuff. Uh, I do think, though, it's like he should. It's like you better pay attention here, buddy. Mm -hmm. Especially, it's one thing to do the payoff. I mean, that's horrible. Right. But to to have an unfair advantage in a COVID situation where you are doing things that other schools were not because mm -hmm. of Health, safety. health and safety. Yes. Come on. Because what does that say if you're a parent of an ASU scholarship player? Do you think Herm Edwards then maybe cares yeah. about your kids' health which, and which, safety? Which is a, in the wake of what's happened with Maryland and yes. Iowa, that's yes. a big deal. That is I top do think of so. mind. So do you – I mean, to me, if I've got a kid who plays for Herm Edwards, I'm thinking – hey, how many other COVID protocols did he not care about because he wants to play to win the games? And so um, I don't think it's a death knell for him, but I do think that it probably uh, elicited a come-to-Jesus moment, not only with the AD, but maybe with the president of the university that says, you know, you know, we can go a different direction here. So I guess I am buying, I'm, I'm selling. I'm selling that it means that he's not qualified, but I will say it strikes one and two and one more like that, and you're out. Well, ultimately, you might be right that this just shows him uh, how to get around it better because I'd be surprised if Arizona State, you know, if, if we just step back and really take a look at what's going on, I'd be really surprised if the only school that had that broke those rules because we know how college football teams operate. So maybe you're right. At the end of the day, all the shows that he uh, shouldn't get caught. We're going to move on now to is this a thing? The segment where we ask a very simple question. Is this a thing? We talk about something that we have seen recently in uh, sports, and we say uh, whether or not it seems to be a trend. Dad, do you have anything to contribute today? Well, you know what? This is sort of a takeoff on what you talked about last week. Last week it was your is this a thing, and that is the professional sports view of abuse. Mm -hmm. Last week we talked about it with Chauncey Billups getting hired, Jason, Jason Kidd. Kidd getting hired. Even though there was abuse that came out in their backgrounds, didn't seem to matter much, at least not to the franchises. Of course, Damon, Damian Lillard, uh, Damian Lillard, Lillard uh, said that it mattered. Stay tuned. Uh, but now it's the Dodgers and Trevor Bauer mm. and quite a row there because of the pictures, the photographs that came out. Yeah. I mean, this was brutal. This is, I mean, this is nothing other than horrible. Uh, and for Hard the Dodgers to continue – to be like, well, we'll see what Major League Baseball has to say, or, uh, well, he was able to pitch. Um, and I think the reaction here from Dave Stewart, who's a pitcher from back in my day, back whenever I was your age, and a memorable reliever for the Dodgers who won the World Series, and the, the Dodgers were going to have a 40-year reunion. And Dave Stewart basically said, well, I ain't coming, and told them, I'm not coming to your party. He put his foot down. He did put his foot down, and he said he was disgusted with the with the, with the Dodgers. Uh, so I guess to me, is this a thing? Is it here's now a third opportunity for a professional sports franchise to say unequivocally, no, if this is in your background, it is 
it's it's we're not even ch- it's, it's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. Period. You're out. Um, and now it's three for three. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be interesting to see it uh, to see the two storylines run concurrently with Chauncey Billups and with Trevor Bauer to see Chauncey Billups, you know, who is perceived to be a very uh, talented basketball mind. He's been a top head coaching candidate and a top GM candidate. Let's not forget for the last few years. It'll be interesting to see how that colors the treatment of his allegations. And simultaneously, we'll get to observe how we treat Trevor Bauer, who uh, who does not uh, is not that far removed from winning a Cy Young and just signed a huge contract this offseason to go to the Dodgers. So we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see over that backdrop, see both of those storylines play out at the same time. I'm going to move on to my Is This a Thing, as today the Atlanta Hawks announced that they are going to be retaining Nate McMillan as their full-time head coach. You know, Dad, when the Hawks lost, it was very easy to say, well, they'll be back. They have Trey Young, they have Clint Capella, they have Cam Reddish, they have so much young talent, they'll be back. But it does feel like lately that once you say that about a team, they don't come back. So do you think, uh, is this a thing where the Hawks and Nate McMillan are going to be uh, have some staying power in the Eastern Conference here? I do, in the sense that it, it does boil down to the players. And I, don't, I do think it's just coincidence that it seems like once the coach is finally like solidified, that things go south from there. But the names that you just named there, I think, are real talent. And I think the Hawks are going to be back. And I think Nate McMillan will be with them. Real, real, real good players on that team, man. You know, we're so used to the Hawks being sorry. And then yeah. you're watching, and then you're watching that that playoff series, and you're like, whoa, these guys go like nine deep of good NBA players in a playoff series you're happy to have on the court. And we'll see. I mean, uh, I, I think they own their first round pick this year. Uh, we'll we'll get wow. to see how they get to fill out the rest of their roster and maybe add some more, uh, even more pieces. And, and you know what? To me, if the Hawks are good for some time to come, I don't mind. Again, very good for yeah. the NBA. Are you sure kidding is. me to have a good sure team in, in Atlanta? Well, you don't think they want to get in on that? Look, they're the fifth largest television market, so yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and, and the fourth largest is uh, is in the NBA Finals. Yeah, so right, the right. NBA is winning right now. Don't let And you don't let anybody tell you differently. Don't let anybody tell you that this Bucks suns uh, finals is bad for the NBA viewership, bad for the NBA offices. Milwaukee is turned into a basketball city overnight, and Phoenix is a top five uh, media market in the United States. Give me a break. This is huge for the NBA, and this is amazing. All right, we're moving on to our final segment, and that is You Shut Up, where we'll each have an item, maybe two, but we each have about a minute or so to speak. And while I'm talking, Alex, you shut up. And while you're talking, you shut up. Exactly. My first you shut up is about Phil Mickelson. I know last week my you shut up was about the PGA, so I don't want to whine too much about the PGA. Last week it actually was sort of sympathetic to the players and that they have to deal with the most obnoxious fans on the planet, and that is those who go to these professional golf tournaments and yell, whenever the guy's teeing off, which is ridiculous. But now it's Phil Mickelson, who actually, lefty, I have two reasons to like Phil Mickelson. One, because he's old, like me. And I remember when I was young, and I never understood what my dad liked to root for the old guys, but now I get it. And so I root for Phil Mickelson. Also, he's a left-handed. He hits the ball from the left side, which to me is actually the right side of the ball to be hitting it from. So I have two reasons to like Phil Mickelson. However, I have one reason to not like him this week. And I know it's a little bit old now because it was for the Rocket Mortgage uh, Tournament that was in Detroit. And Phil, of course, 
was a big name, biggest who's going to be playing there. But he got upset because there was an article in the Detroit Free Press newspaper that was disparaging, or that he took anyway, as uh, disparaging to him. And so there for a while, he said, I'm not ever going to play again in Detroit because you wrote something bad about me. And I think that is just bogus. And I get it. He since has made amends. And so I want to give him credit for that. But there for a few days anyway, I was like, are you kidding me? The way these PGA guys are coddled is nuts. If you've ever been to a tournament, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been, let me tell you, from the time these guys land, if you're Phil Mickelson in your private jet or whatever, you are treated like you are royalty. I mean, you're treated better than the Pope. Somebody is there to pick you up in a nice posh car, of course. And of course, they're only too happy to drive you wherever you want to go. I mean, you're in a country club. You're given every perk that there is to have. You're treated as if you're like I said, like your God or something like that. And I think with that in mind, I mean, you know, you should really try to live like the rest of us and go play out of municipal courts or something like that, where you have to drive yourself to the course and you have to get your own clubs out of the trunk. And oh, God forbid, you have to even load them up on the cart. I mean, come on. I just think that's ridiculous. The so golf cart itself is a luxury. Oh, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so that's my one. And I know I'm going overtime here. My second one, though, is even more so. And that is Joey Chestnut. I don't care. USA. I don't care. And now I see they even added a chug contest to USA. it. USA. I don't care. And it's it's why we can't have nice things in this country. I'm sorry. But it's proof that we, of course, love shiny things here. Look, I know it's this summer, everybody. I know that, you know, there's not a lot going on in sports. It's pretty dull. But please, do we have to fall for this every year? I don't care. I can't say it enough. I don't care. Nothing more American, baby. Whatever. USA, go Joey Chestnut. Whatever. Every, every year oh representing us proudly. And it, you know what? In a, in, a, in a sporting landscape where it feels like every country is catching up to us, jo Joey Chestnut goes out there and breaks his own record every year. I think it's beautiful. Maybe USA. that's right. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. Because USA. in a sporting landscape, people look to this country, and that's what we've got is some guy who's cramming hot dogs. That's what we've got. No, we, that we've is got, America. We, right no, we, no we, we're, we're known for two things in sports. We, we're, we send the best players to, uh, to the Olympics every year for basketball. Basketball, and we send Joey Chestnut to the to the hot dog eating competition. Well, now we have the chug contest. Too, we clean so. up. We what? clean up. And I can, and you know what? I can tell you who's going to win that one too. USA. <laughs> My, you shut up. The uh, today the MLB came out with its latest City Connect uniforms. It's the San Francisco Giants one. It integrates the clouds by the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a Golden Gate Bridge theme uniform. I don't really feel any type of way about it, but I see every time they come out with a new one of these City Connect jerseys. And if you don't know what they look like, look them up. It's an interesting thing, whether you like it or not, what that the MLB is doing with this jersey, something they've really never done before. Uh, everybody loves to trash them. Everybody hates them. Everybody thinks they're the worst thing to happen to baseball. I'm here to tell you that they're very cool. And I think that they're uh, an excellent idea. Even if some of the jerseys don't look great, I think it's an, uh, an unbelievable opportunity for uh, the league to br uh, find new branding opportunities and find new reasons for people to like the sport. I mean, who knows what the you know what, what the South Side jersey that the, that the White Sox are have, are playing in, having it on Tony Larusa. I mean, I'm I'm not in marketing or any of this stuff. And yes, having it on Tony Larusa was as hilarious as you think it Tony was. Tony Larusa's gangsta. Tony Larusa throwing up gang signs in the Chicago White Sox dugout was awesome. But uh, it's it gets into new opportunities for them. And I just I think it's great. And I think it's a fantastic thing that the MLB is doing. I know everyone likes to say it's the end of the baseball uniform as we know it. 
But you know, if they want to add a splash of color to to the jerseys every now and again, make them make them so they don't look all so dull. Like all the jerseys are just the same uniform with different logos on them because all the teams are white and gray. Hey, you know what? Flame. You know what's funny about this? I was reading about the Oakland A's uh, iconic. He was at the time anyway. Owner Charlie O. Finley. Okay. And one of the one of the ways that he raised the ire of Major League Baseball was because he dressed the Oakland Athletics in all white. On Sundays, their Sunday uniform all the way down to their cleats. Ooh. And I remember when that was a big deal. And now it's funny to me that MLB is like, oh, we should try out some new uniforms. It's like you weren't saying that 50 years ago when you were criticizing Charlie Finley because he was doing what he needed to do to sell tickets. Oh, you want me to tell you what the difference was? They were selling a lot less jerseys 50 years ago. That's good. And I can and I can tell you as someone who never thought about buying a baseball jersey, when they came out with those with those Miami Sugar Kings themed jerseys, I was willing to part with $120 I didn't have. I was like, let's I was like, let's do it. Well, I'll tell I you what, do it. I only believe I, I only believe in two jerseys that are retro, only two jerseys that should come out like that. It's not retro, it's the opposite. Well, whatever. In the two special jerseys, it's the Astros of the 70s with the multicolored orange and of brown. Course, of course. And then the Atlanta Braves. Where they had the the, the lower blue, case the, the lowercase a and the red white and blue. That's cool. Uh, but Hank, Hank Aaron, it's, it's it's a good look. It's Hank no, Aaron. and you know what? And, and that's another reason why I like it is that baseball has such nice, neat aesthetics. Now that they've kind of got the new generation of the players and to let them play, I think having dynamic uniforms to go along with the dynamic new generation of players is great. And I think it's going to be great for the marketing of the MLB. Listen. MLB needs some juice. I've well, been looking true. for it for years. And if this is how they get it, this is how they get it. Well, and I think that you're right in the sense that if the old people don't like it and the young people do, then you're onto something. Then they win. They that's win. Good. That's exactly what they want. Because they will take that trade off any day of the week. Well, because the young people are the ones who are going to sustain the game for yep. the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they're also eventually going to be the ones who are spending the money the old people are. On these jerseys. On these jerseys. On these jerseys. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for us. For No, You Shut Up. Don't forget, we're the most hostile father-son podcast on the internet. And, of course, don't try this at home. I'm Dad. I'm Alex. And we'll see you next week. Stay safe.